uh, it looks good. I'm going to blow my own horn here. It looks real good. Uh, and we're going to have a good time with it. What we're going to do is we're going to start out in September looking at the Olivet Discourse and, um, and then go into Daniel, and that'll give you a foundation for Revelation the following September, okay? So that, uh, you know, that, that looks good. Uh, I know we, cut, we have a couple of events uh, going on for the summer. We're going to have to ask Doc uh, if he's still going to host the picnic. Um, I, he probably will. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to ask him. Uh, I know we have an ice cream social coming up and some other things coming up. So uh, if anything happens during uh, this week, uh, you can call Sharon. Uh, she knows how to contact us. And um, if it's an emergency, I'll certainly respond, okay? So if it's not an emergency, I'm not here. Who's got a, uh, just, just a quick praise? Maybe God did something this week that uh, you want to praise about or, um, yeah, sure. So my job when it ended, told a, apply to this position today for a job in Alaska. Said, okay, applied, they were supposed to get back to us by that Monday. No answer, the whole vacation time, no answer. Well, this week, finally it came through because I kept praying going, dear Lord, you know I cannot sit on my butt for long. <laughs> Unemployment and I do not get along well, so I'm quick with faith that I start a new job. Good. And uh, it's not in Alaska. I mean, you're working yeah, for Alaska, but it's not in Alaska. Yeah. Well, we'll send you up there in the winter, and you'll be glad no. to come back. <laughs> Anybody else have a, a word of praise or chips up with us again? Uh, Lorraine and then Kristen. Oh, he did? Yeah. Good. Sure. Amen. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue to pray for his healing. Sure, absolutely. Kristen, you're up. We have a lot for which to be grateful. We have a guest here today, and uh, uh, she comes and she blesses us. And uh, anybody else wanted to share? Oh, yes, Nancy. I'm happy to finally get to meet him on Monday. Oh, where? Right there in front. Okay. So you're you're going to be close to us still. Excellent. Yeah. You're more than you're more than welcome. 
You're more than welcome. Carmen? I know it's a horror show. I, so we'll we'll keep praying. God's been providing, now, right? Yeah, we'll be we'll be praying. Uh, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. We're gonna ask uh, our singers uh, to come up, and as we worship today, um, uh, Chip's gonna introduce the songs to you. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we're gonna look at today, I entitled the message "Jesus Clears the Air" from John. Uh, uh, chapter 7, there's a lot of misconceptions about who Jesus is, even within the church, I might add. So we're going we're to look at that, but um, the songs that uh, we chose this morning, Jesus Messiah, uh, you are my king, and I, I, give, you, uh, I, I give you my heart, uh, reflects, I think, the passage where Jesus uh, proclaim himself as the bread of life, the, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, um, and not only physical life, of course, but especially spiritual life. And um, as we focus on that today, I, I, I think there's a lot of application for, for the modern church in there. When I say modern, I mean present day uh, church. So singers, would you come forward and if you're able to stand, stand and uh, give God the glory. Morning, church. God, it's good. And all the time. Never hurts to say that several times. So God came to earth to set us free. He endured what no man, let alone a God, should have to. He carried the cross and then on Calvary was nailed to it. An act of divine love, of enduring love. Jesus opened the gates of hell so that the the gates to heaven, sorry, so that we can live with him in heaven forever. All glory and honor to you, our Lord, our Messiah. became sin who knew no sin that we would become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so Redeemed by 
His body the bread, His blood the wine, broken and poured out, all for love. The whole earth trembled, and the veil was torn, love so Sabatini, Tani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These words Jesus cried out were in response to God turning away from him because he took all sins of humanity unto himself, thereby expunging them forever. God could not behold such a tragic sight. Of all the torture, jeers, and insults, the people who he came to save turning against him, apostles denying, mothers crying. This had to be the worst thing he endured for us. We go over his sacrifice every week and try to put the enormity in it, of it into different words with different songs, but is it ever enough? We need to be reminded constantly so that we can live up to his sacrifice and live the way he wants us to live. It is a joy and honor to worship our king with our every action and our every word. In all we do, 
We honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again amazing love how can it be that you might love I know it's true and it's my joy to honor you in all I do I honor you love how can it be that you my king would die for me Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. You are my king. I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I lay bare my entire being to your will. I praise and adore you and give you thanks. Amen. Honor you, 
sisters, Jesus, the way to the Father. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. Amen. So, um, this is from the uh, uh, NIV Grace and Truth Bible. Jesus' statement that they knew the way perplexed Thomas. Jesus responded to Thomas's question with his statement, his sixth I am statement. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. His words strike a note of exclusivity. Jesus is the only way to the Father, and no one can know God except through him. The early church was known as the way. Jesus is the only way to God because the ultimate truth resides in him. Jesus taught the truth, lived the truth, and revealed the one true God. Furthermore, Jesus is the life. Life has been associated with Jesus through the gospel. 
To truly know Jesus is to have eternal life. To know Jesus is to know the God, know God the Father. Amen. Sure. As we uh, continue to worship, can it's Mary Lou to come up? Okay. Who asked? Who asked? Technology is great, but sometimes it can uh, give you surprises. Kristen, would you come up, please? You're going to sing. I'm going to sign. I'm certainly not going to sing. Uh, good, Mary. As a church family, we are just so thrilled on the purchase of your home, and we took a love offering for you and Bobby, so you can get all the little things that you need in a wonderful home. We hope you many blessings and many years in your home. So, one of these days, we'll get her to sing a solo for you. How's that? <laughs> oh, man. Um, as we go to prayer, uh, let's uh, remember some of the prayer requests we had and some of the answers to prayer this morning. Um, you know, as uh, every day is a day closer to when the Lord Jesus is coming back. And he gives us this day. I'm not sure about tomorrow. Only he knows correct? So uh, scripture says this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We have uh, some people struggling with like the flu and uh, work schedules and, and, and all of that. And, <clears throat> you know, let me just uh, say this. Satan is clever. <laughs> he, he, he's a formidable foe, if I can put it that way. Uh, he's, he's clever in that he never wants Sunday mornings to happen because the church worships on Sunday morning. And he has a habit of throwing roadblocks, uh, you know, uh, and some can't be helped, I know that. But, you know, too many times we kind of put the church on the back burner. And that's not, that's not good. Scripture indicates, at least to me, that when the church gets together, uh, there's a celebration going on in heaven. Well, that's going on all the time. We know that. However, do you realize we join with a whole host in heaven, as well as other like-minded churches, to worship our king? So, uh, you know, as we go on to do this, I'm going to ask... Uh, Whoever's going to help us with the offering, would you come up and we'll, we'll pray. And again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. This congregation has been very generous. I also want to remind you that we're collecting pasta, uh, the pasta things over there, and it has nothing to do with me at being Italian. Um, a pasta, what else were you collecting? Grape jelly, right. But plastic, plastic jars of grape jelly. Uh, we help with the free lunch program in town during the summer. Uh, for children who would not normally have the resources to have food. Uh, so our responsibility is to collect this. First pickup is when? 
June 10th. So yeah, we, we want to overflow that to take up the whole back row over there. Okay, so if you're able to help out, uh, that would be wonderful. God gives us this opportunity. And, and just to share with you, I mean, some of you may remember I've shared this with you. Uh, in years past, I was invited to speak at Forked River Elementary School. And um, it's, uh, it's their career day, which is you know, kind of fun to do. Um, so one of the students, this was in a fourth grade class, one of the students asked what the church does for the community. So I told him, you know, we, we participate in Lacey Day. We give out a lot of literature. We, uh, we do a coat giveaway, winter coat giveaway. We do the free lunch program. And with that, a young lady stood up and she said, if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have eaten this past summer. And she started crying. So you never know how it's impacting. There's th three or four churches involved, four churches involved. So, you know, we pray the Lord bless that. We never know how, how things like that will impact someone. Uh, so we, we need to prepare for that too. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to worship. Thank you, Father, for all the answers to prayer. Thank you for the praises this morning. And Father, in those praises, we, we want to pray that the move for Nancy would go well and that Emil would heal, heal well. It's good to hear that he's got his color back and um, doing well. We lift him up before you. Pray for complete healing. We pray for Doc. Father, uh, I'm still amazed that on Thursday, open heart surgery, home by Saturday. That's amazing to me. But Father, we know from the doctor that the surgery went well. We pray for complete recovery for him also. Thank you for his daughter Tara being here and uh, ministering to him uh, during this time, Father. Provide for his needs spiritually, emotionally, physically. And Father, we think of BJ. This woman has been through so much health-wise. Pray that the doctors find out what's going on and they be able to rectify it. And Father, we pray for restoration of health for BJ. And Father, for uh, my sister-in-law who's still uh, battling, uh, uh, recovering from a broken arm and a stroke, we lift her up before you also, Father. Thank you for the progress she's made. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunities to minister and Father, as we look forward, one of the things that we will be doing again this year with Tommy's help and Frank's help, we'll be ministering at Lacey Day. We want to start to pray for that now, that we would uh, meet some great people and point them to the grace of Jesus Christ. And Father, would you bless the tithes and offerings, bless the gift, bless the giver, and Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Those of you who have been hanging around in churches for a while uh, know that in a church situation, uh, you know, churches a lot of times do everything by committee, right? Uh, that could be good and bad, but they do everything by committee. And you get five people in a room to discuss an issue, you have seven opinions, right? It's, it's just the way it is. You know, everybody has their own opinion, and sometimes not only one opinion, sometimes two or three. Um, however, you know, in saying that, we've all experienced this in not only church meetings, in family times, gatherings, and I would ask you uh, to imagine for a moment that you were attending the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, like Jesus did, right? And uh, in the course of uh, uh, attending that, there were a lot of people gossiping about Jesus, okay? Not too pleasant things. Some kind of caught on, not many. And someone even, someone even as far as to say he was demon-possessed. Can you imagine that? Looking back over the history uh, that we know from John 7. Uh, generally speaking, the Jews who uh, came to Jerusalem from other regions were more open to Jesus than the Jews and the religious leaders in Jesus, which, uh, in Jerusalem rather, which is kind of ironic. The reason why they were interested, they were amazed to hear that the religious authorities considered Jesus an outlaw. He was an outlaw in their eyes. Not only that, they wanted to kill him. The Jews who lived in Jerusalem sided with the religious authorities. You know why? Because they were afraid they'd be kicked out of the synagogue or the temple if they disagreed with the religious authorities. Sometime, somehow, this sounds like today, um, when we counter some misconceptions with the truth from the Bible, we run the risk in this present day and age, in our culture, to be um, disenfranchised, if I can put it that way. Because we're not buying into the popular opinion or the <clears throat> or the cultural opinion. If you recall from last Sunday, the religious leaders and the Jews who sided uh, with their view tried to discredit Jesus' character. This is a technique that Satan has used uh, over many years. Thank you. appreciate that. Uh, excuse me one sec. And I'm sad to say it's a technique that's being used today. When somebody stands for truth, biblical truth, a lot of people want to discredit their character. Comes with the territory. If they did it to Jesus, why wouldn't they do it to us? Right? And that doesn't mean we're holier than thou. That means there's so many misconceptions uh, out there about who Jesus is. And what Christianity is versus 
religion. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The claim to Christ, uh, that critics make of Christianity is that it's too exclusive. What do you mean nobody can come to God but through Christ? There's many roads to God. No, there's not. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Nor is it what the gospel is all about. If there were many roads to be reconciled with God without Jesus, we wouldn't need the cross. Nor would we need the blood of Christ sacrificed as he took on our sin. So there's a lot of misconceptions, and a lot of times I'll hear, well, Pastor, what, what about the, you know, the good Muslim, the good Jehovah Witness, the good this and the good that? Well, listen, here's what the scripture says. Unless you come by faith to Jesus, you're not going to know the Father. And to this day, people will say, boy, that's awfully narrow-minded. It's not narrow-minded. It's what the scripture says. I didn't make it up. You didn't make it up. This is what the scripture says. But we don't like that because you, what stands in the way? What stands in the way is our pride, our ego, our unwillingness to submit to the creator of the universe. To the, way, uh, to the way of God. And so, Jesus needs to clear the air. Let's go into the passage, and I'll bring you through this. Uh, Jesus is at the festival. You know, he came about halfway through it, and then he went into the temple to teach. So it says, not until halfway through the festival uh, did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. <laughs> Look, listen to the dialogue here, okay? The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? <laughs> listen, I'm a real big fan of uh, advanced learning and, and all. In fact, I love being a student. I really do, and I, like, I love teaching. However, you can be an incredibly brilliant person if you have an intimate relationship with Jesus through the Father. You see, there's no other way. How, this man, this man from Galilee, this is what's going through their head, this, this man from Galilee, uneducated, how could he even read? God does things that surprise us, doesn't he? I've used this example before. Uh, some of you may know of Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, Jim and Carol Cimbala. Um, Carol Cimbala leads the choir, which like Sharon does when we have a choir, right? And uh, she's composed many songs. The problem is she can't read a note of music. Isn't that something? 
God gave her a gift. She didn't go to Juilliard. You know, she doesn't have a education in music. And that, those things aren't bad. But here's a woman that God gifted to where the publishers bring in their own writers and as they hear the music and the words, they'll write out the music so they can have it for future use. That music has been blessing people for a lot of years. A lot of years. How did this man get educated without having been taught? The answer is very simple. His father taught him. His father taught him. Listen, I can tell you with all my years behind me that the Father still teaches through Jesus. And I'm really glad at that. Look at uh, some of the other statements here. Jesus uh, answered, my teaching is not my own. <coughs> Excuse me. My allergies are killing me. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. There's this incredible bond in the Trinity. The Father sends the Son into this mess of humanity, into this sinful world. The Son is fully God, fully man, just as much God as, as, as the Father. Yet there's this intimate connection to where Jesus submits himself to the will of the Father. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? He submits himself to the will of the Father, and Jesus says, listen, this is not my own teaching, but this teaching comes from the one who sent me. That ought to have been a key to those who were listening because the fact of the matter is no one can know God, the Father, if they do not know Jesus personally. Does that make sense? And you'd be surprised what, what God can teach, even the quote-unquote uneducated. I was just recalling... Um, an article from Denver Seminary, just going back years ago, where um, the, the worst, the most dangerous place to be in seminary is the first year se seminarian. Because, you, you know, as you go on, you think you know a lot when you really don't know anything, okay? So uh, this seminarian was at the gym in Denver Seminary, and <clears throat> he noticed the, the custodian sitting uh, in one of the seats reading his Bible. So he thought he'd go over and see what he was reading. And he was reading from Revelation. So this first-year seminarian got a lesson from God. During the course of the night, he goes over to the custodian and he says, uh, excuse me, sir, I see you're reading Revelation. Do you understand it? The custodian says, son, I don't understand a lot of it, but I know this, Jesus is coming again. And this seminarian who wrote the article in the, in the journal, 
said that God just punched him right between the eyes on his pride and his ego. You see, when you know God through Jesus Christ, whatever teaching Jesus gives to us comes from the Father. That cannot be unlinked because Jesus glorifies the Father, the Father glorifies the Son. And we can't discount the role of the Holy Spirit here, correct? Simply because the Holy Spirit is the one that opens our eyes and our hearts to the truth of the word. When we read the word and, say, and we say, that's talking about me. That's talking about my sin. Jesus, so, so good in answering these questions. Look at what he says. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That's a powerful statement. What's Jesus telling the people there? He's saying, listen, you want to find out if my teaching's true? Obey it and see what God can do because it's his teaching. Obey it. As I was getting ready this morning, I happened to uh, um, just come across Charles Stanley, uh, who's now with the Lord. And um, he was talking about the fact that we cannot obey on our own. We all know that. Our obedience has to be through yielding to the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we don't even know what to obey because we're not reading the Word of God. Isn't that true? So he, he's developing this, and then he talked about um, giving. And I'm not going to stay on this, but this has happened, you know, what he talked about. He said, listen, once we realize everything we have belongs to God, and we say to him, Lord, help me use this for your glory. Now God can do great things. But if we don't have even that attitude, whether it's our finances, our car, our house, our kids, then we form these attachments that become idols. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Romans 8 says, listen, obey God, and you will find out that his will is good and perfect. But see, obedience has to be through submission, a loving submission between us and the one who died for us. The people, especially the religious leaders, weren't getting it. Whoever speaks on their own does to, so to gain glory, but whoever seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. I'll put this in modern day terms. When you see Jesus, he's God. He's God. Well, God in the flesh, we know that, fully human but fully God, not 50%, 50%, right? But whoever speaks on their own does it for personal glory. 
Jesus never sought personal glory. He always sought the glory of the Father. All right? If I'm invited to speak anywhere, I don't even tell people my name because they're going to forget it anyhow. I, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, most people can't pronounce my last name. Uh, but even at that, my purpose is not to elevate me. My purpose is to glorify God. That was Jesus' mindset from the moment he was born. And still is. Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Then he says, talking to the religious leaders now, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the legalistic team, I call them. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Can you imagine the Pharisees hearing that? I, I guarantee you the hair on the back of their necks bristled. What do you mean we don't keep the law? The law. They are such hypocrites. And Jesus says, I can prove it. One of the Ten Commandments is you shall not commit murder. Why are you trying to kill me? Jesus just said to the Pharisees, checkmate. You violate your own law. And then they have their own laws that they couldn't even keep. It was such a, a legalistic, hypocritical process. And look at this. This is scary. This should scare anyone. They're saying to Jesus, you're, you're demon-possessed. And the crowd joined in. Who's trying to kill you? They didn't believe that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, would try to kill them, right? Listen, this borders on blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I mean, to, to attribute demon possession to Jesus, I believe, is the unpardonable sin. Who's trying to kill you? And then Jesus said, I did, I, I did one miracle, and you were all amazed. Yet because Ma Moses gave you circumcision, though it actually did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise on the Sabbath. Whoa. Listen, religious leaders. You said nobody's supposed to work on the Sabbath. Yet, if, if, if someone needs to be circumcised, you work on the Sabbath to glorify yourself. And then he goes on to say, now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Double check, mate. Do you remember the man by the pool? That healing was done on the Sabbath, and there were six others that were done on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees hated everyone that Jesus did on the Sabbath. And they were accusing him of breaking the law of Moses when they themselves did the same thing. Hmm. 
says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Listen, when, when I read something like this, people say, oh, we're not supposed to you know, judge anyone. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, I can't judge anybody's heart, correct? That's between them and, and God. Uh, but God does call us to judge some things, doesn't he? All right? And the worst thing that any of us can do is make judgments based on appearances. But he says, judge correctly. How can we judge correctly? Through the word of God, through the spirit of God, to make sure that before we judge anyone that we, we examine ourselves. And if there is a matter that needs to be addressed, we go very humbly and in love. But the uh, Pharisees were all about image. All about image. No substance. All about image. I want to suggest to you that's where our culture is. Culture is all about image. You look good. You have money, you make money because you look good. Or if you have money, you can make yourself look good, <laughs> right? Jesus was all about the inner person and a relationship. Uh, Andrew, I need your help. Uh, did I put a passage in a uh, after this? Do you see it? Uh, there should be another passage, a different scripture. If not, don't worry about it. I might have forgotten it. Okay. All right, no problem. Don't worry about it. Um, stop judging appearances. Um, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, if you get a chance... You should get it. The library has it. Is is uh, Walt Disney's The Kid, the only cr uh, clean role Bruce Willis ever had. Uh, no swearing in the whole movie, you know. Uh, and it talks. Uh, it, Bruce Willis is an image consultant. He gets paid big bucks for being an image consultant. You could be the most corrupt politician, but if you look good, you're going to do well, right? You could. You, you could be the most mean person, but if you look good, you'll get away with it. We got to stop judging by appearances. Jesus always judged by the heart. And he knew the Pharisee's heart and the Sadducee's heart. Surprise, there, there's division over who Jesus is. A lot of the misconceptions uh, show up. At this point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? So some of them knew that they were trying to kill uh, Jesus. And then he goes on, they go on to say, here he is speaking publicly in the temple, by the way, and they are not saying a word to him. Look at the question they ask. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? <laughs> what a question there are actions what I'm saying there are actions the Pharisees 
condemned themselves. They wanted to kill him because he was a threat to them. Hmm. Excuse me. And it goes on to say, but we know where this man is from. This is the scuttlebutt, right? Or the gossip. We know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. <laughs> See, they think they know where he's from, but they don't, right? Um, they haven't accepted the fact that he was sent by the Father. Yes, through the virgin birth of Mary, all right? And he was born where? Bethlehem? Lived in Nazareth? which is Galilee, and the saying back there then was, can anything good come from Galilee? See, they were the other side of the tracks. So we know where he came from, but when the true Messiah comes, nobody will know where he's from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. <laughs> wow. And again, we come back to the fact that if you can never know the Father if you don't know Jesus. But I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. How much plainer can you get that? You know, I mean, Jesus cleared the air here. And all the misconceptions should have gone away if these people were willing to embrace Jesus and what he had to say. And Jesus says, but I know the Father. I am, and which is... A whole statement in itself from him who sent me. Well, the Pharisees were going ballistic at this point, and the Sadducees. At this, they tried to seize him, but nobody laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. I love that because last week we talked about Jesus being on the Father's timetable, not his own timetable. Not anybody else's timetable, but the Father's timetable. One of the reasons why I look forward to, to uh, uh, getting away a little bit is because I love the freedom of no schedule. Right? I mean, I have several hard deadlines every week, right? I have Sunday morning, Sunday school, when Sunday school's in, you know, in session. I have prayer meeting, I have men's group, and I have the theological round table. All of that takes preparation, right? And listen, they wanted to kill the very son of God. They couldn't, because it wasn't the father's time yet. Still many in the crowd believed them in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, he will perform more signs than this man. Wow. That's a dangerous statement also. You know what they were hoping for? They were hoping for the militant Messiah who was going to come and defeat all, all of Israel's enemies. With his word. 
and they missed it. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering these things about Jesus. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees sent uh, the temple guards to what? Arrest them. Listen, we got to get rid of this pest. Right? We just got to get rid of them. But isn't that what we're trying to do today? Isn't that what many in our culture and many uh, who are anti-Bible, if I can put it that way, are doing? And you know why? Because the truth is very convicting. The truth that you can never be right with God unless you come to know Jesus through faith and repentance is very convicting. That means you're morally bankrupt and there's no other way to God. And not only is there no other way to God, but many now will say God doesn't exist. This Jesus, he might have been just a good man. Or a good teacher. Well, good teachers don't lie. And good men don't lie. Pharisees heard. And they sent the temple guard to arrest them. Jesus said, I am with you only for a short time. And then I am going to the one who sent me. Well, that happened on the ascension, right? After, after the, uh, the resurrection. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious people. What do you mean I can't come? I can't, I can't go to heaven? <laughs> no, you're not going to go to heaven. Why? Because you don't believe that in the one that sent me to you. You refuse. And then the last verse. The Jews said to one another, where does, this man, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Where uh, will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? So they were, you know, they were trying to sort all of this out. However, listen, the fact of the matter is that no one can be right with God unless they come through the person and work of Jesus Christ by faith. It's not by works. It's not by religion. It's none of that. It's by faith. That's why, you know, I, I have to chuckle when, you know, people will say, well, you know, I can't buy that. I don't care if you can't buy it or not. It's the truth. Well, still, you know, I, I can't see God being that, that cruel. No, he's not cruel. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him, whoever, should not perish but have eternal life. See, God so loved you and me that he sent his son. Well, I, I don't believe God would send anybody to hell. Well, you know, you're right. We send ourselves. Period. Because we're born sinners. We send ourselves. 
these are hard things for for uh, many people to digest because it violates their own pride and ego. And there is no place for pride and ego at the cross of Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So Jesus clears the air. It was one of those things where he's willing still to clear the air if we're willing to listen. He's willing to clear the air that, you know what? He created the universe. You want to think there was some big bang? Well, maybe whatever it was, God created it. I believe he spoke to the universe into existence. Says God man made man and woman. Those are the only two genders I see. All our problems are climate controlled. I mean, cl what do they call it? Um, you know, the, the, the climate issues, the global warming. You know, what arrogance to think that we can control the climate. Now, we should be good stewards. But God's in charge. We're not. Well, truth is relative. Listen, I have plenty of relatives, and some of them aren't true. <laughs> no, truth is not relative. Relative. When Jesus speaks, he speaks what the Father has taught him. And neither Jesus nor the Father nor the Holy Spirit can lie. I often tell people, if you have a problem with the scriptures, you've got to take it up with God. Because our sinful minds sometimes can't wrap around the scripture like it should. And, and so we come away with misconceptions. But if we ask God, he's faithful. What does James say? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. What kind of wisdom? Not the world's wisdom, but wisdom that comes from the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. So I, I just wrote down three simple questions you know, in closing. Does Jesus tell the truth? That's either yes or no. Of course he does. Are there many ways to be reconciled with God? Sorry, no. It's only through repentance and faith and the work, the personal work of Jesus Christ. Do we depend on religion to make us right with God? Hopefully not. We ought to depend on Jesus and Jesus alone to make us right with God. So I'm going to ask the uh, praise team to come up. Thank you for your patience. I went a little longer than I, uh, I thought, but next week I'll have Angel here. So, uh, you know, come and support him, and then I'll be back the following week. Um, but uh, this, uh, to me, this is... 
this is stuff that we really need to revisit even as a church because um, the world wants to suck us into its own mold. But we have to remember we were saved by God, by his grace alone, not by works, by his grace alone for the sole reason of not glorifying ourselves, for the sole reason of glorifying the Father. So I'm going to ask you to stand and do that as we sing. Beautiful is our God, the universe will 
sing Hallelujah to you, our King. All the heavens shout your praise. Beautiful is our God. The universe will sing Hallelujah to you. We have a great God, don't we? Amen. We have a God who sent his son because he loves you. Yes. We have a God who gave us the living word, Jesus. Yep. And the written word. We have a God who sent us the Holy Spirit. Next week's Pentecost Sunday, by the way. Marks the beginning of the church. Where the Holy Spirit indwells believers. He gives us the Spirit as our teacher. My prayer as we leave this morning is that we will ask the Spirit of God to help us to submit to Him, to the Word, and give us the desire to obey. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you dismiss us in your power, that you make our hearts hunger for the word and have an increasing desire to follow Christ and to obey. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. You could do a little bit better than that. All God's people said? Amen. God bless. Have a great day.